This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Father, we want to come before you in this uh, portion of our service. As we prepare, Father God, to witness, <laughs> glory to God, witness, Father, a declared faith in you by these that are being baptized here today. Father God, I pray that as we move through this service and communicate, Father, that your grace will rest upon our lives, that we'll have a better understanding. And not only that, but that you will meet us here as, Father God, we do uh, this dedicate or this baptism before you. And we thank you, Father God, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Um, hallelujah. <clears throat> there are two ordinances in the Scriptures that the Lord Jesus, when I say that, ordinances in the New Testament, that the Lord Jesus gave us as the head of the church that we were to observe or are to observe, and that is communion and water baptism. And today, as I mentioned, you know, there's a number of people that are going to be water baptized. Praise God, it's going to be a great time. But this is what Jesus said when he was giving instruction to his disciples before his ascension. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And when Matthew is giving record of what it is that Jesus said to the disciples. He said that all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. And then Jesus gave this commission to go into all the world. And he said, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things <clears throat> whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Aren't you glad he's with us to the end of the world? Yeah. Amen. You know, you might be thinking the end of the world's coming. Well, it is, but he's with us. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. And so today, 17, 18, 19 folks are going to be following in the path of millions, praise God, that have gone before them in obedience to the commandment or the ordinance of water baptism um, that Jesus gave us. And you know, you need to understand that water baptism is not a church tradition. This isn't something, you know, that we just kind of came up with or whatever, but it is really without question a defining miracle moment because of the declaration that is being made in it. You know, you think about Jesus's baptism. I mean, a lot of things went on when he was baptized in water. So please know it's not just some kind of a ritual to be performed, but it really is a public declaration of these people's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, you know, when Paul was writing about uh, Israel, he said, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. So we see that this imagery, or you know, call it a, a symbolism, that where this congregation of Israel 
Moses was their quote-unquote pastor, and he led them, you know, as God was leading them. And the Bible says that in the cloud and in the sea, they were baptized as followers of Moses. Now, in another place, we see prior to Jesus's revealing that John the Baptist was commissioned and anointed by God to be a forerunner to Jesus, and he preached a baptism of repentance. And as a result of that, people became disciples or followers of John. And you remember in the scriptures where many of them began to follow Jesus when his earthly ministry began, and John said, he must increase and I must decrease. So we have this, you know, followers of Moses, we have the followers of John the Baptist, but then today, those that are being baptized are declaring their allegiance, praise God, to being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And you have to understand, it's not just a, you know, a, a verbal confession, you know, that they're making, but rather it is a heartfelt commitment, glory to God. You know, when people got baptized in the New Testament in the first century, I mean, they committed their lives to Christ. I mean, uh, the reality is, is that they were a persecuted people, and yet they were willing <clears throat> to be a follower of His. <clears throat> Let's turn, if you've got a Bible, uh, to a beautiful story in the book of Acts, chapter 8. <clears throat> Excuse me. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to look at this story. And uh, so, so remarkable. Remarkable in the sense, do you know that when a person's heart is turned toward God, that God will move heaven and earth to get to that person? I'm telling you, when people begin to draw nigh unto God, God begins to draw near unto them. And in this story, there was an Ethiopian eunuch that went to worship in Jerusalem, and some incredibly powerful things happened, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And it goes on, <clears throat> goes on to then say, He arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch under great authority, hallelujah, under Candaces, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and asked him, Do you understand what you read? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture that he read was this, he was led as a, uh, as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth, and he began the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. 
And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he, the eunuch, was baptized. You know, Philip gives us a clear understanding of the first and foremost qualification or priority, prerequisite, I guess you could say, for being water baptized, and that is that you must believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching, you know, he preached that crowd into conviction. They said, you know, brethren, what should we do? And this was uh, Peter's response, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, you know, when we talk about water baptism, I think one important point is to ask what it is. And really, first and foremost, it is the act of obedience to Jesus's command. He said to repent and then be baptized, hallelujah. And thank God we have the privilege of being able to do that here today. It's a declaration of faith. It's a public profession of saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is my Lord and Savior. So it's more than just an event. It's more than all of us just getting here together, you know, or an experience that we can say, well, okay, we got that done. It's so much more than that. It is coming before our Heavenly Father in obedience and saying, I'm going to publicly declare that I believe in you. Glory to God. And not only that, but when we are baptized, we also have the potential of living what I refer to as a baptized life, a life that has been washed, a life that has been cleansed, a life, praise God, that can be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. And so, you know, when we think about that, You know, when when Paul was writing in Galatians chapter 2, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And yet it's not me, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about that phrase for a moment. I am crucified with Christ. Well, we know, you know, like the Apostle Paul and all of us, that we still live. But he's talking about a life that is well lived because of our obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In Romans chapter 6, when Paul was writing about water baptism, he asked this question. He said, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show, show us more and more of his wonderful grace? You know, there's theology in the, in the body of Christ, especially amongst evangelicalism right now, that really that's kind of what they preach. You can just do whatever you want because after all, you know, Jesus' blood has saved us past, present, and future, and so you can live however you want to live. Well, I got news for you. That's not what the Bible preaches at all. No, it does, it does talk about living a baptized life. It does talk about living a sanctified life. It does talk about living a godly life. Hallelujah. It does talk about living a life that honors the king. Hallelujah. What a privilege you and I have as believers. Praise God forevermore to be the ones, glory to God, that represent him in this world. 
He said, shall we do this or shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? He said, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined to Christ Jesus in baptism, you were joined in his death? And for we are, or for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so now we may live, glory to God, brand new lives. Aren't you glad for that this morning? He gives us the power to live a baptized life. And so it is, it serves as an action of commitment to a burial. You know, it's interesting because Paul, what he does here is he, he converts this baptism site to a burial. Think of it this way, that when all of these participants go down into the water, you know, they're going to be buried in baptism with Christ, and they're going to be raised up. Hallelujah. Everybody say, hallelujah. Yeah, they're going to be raised up into newness of life so that they can live the life that Jesus came to give them. So we're burying our old ways where Jesus invites us to meet him, glory to God. And then at the same way, we're rising to walk in this newness of life, glory to God. Lifting you, lifting me, lifting us above all of our old, dead, past habits. And praise God to be able to live for him. So see the picture of such a dynamic deliverance from, the, from slavery to destiny. You know, I use that scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 about Israel. You know, they were once slaves, and God made Moses a deliverer, you know, and brought them out so that they could experience the destiny that they have or that God had for his life. You know what? Every one of these people that are being baptized, they have a destiny upon their life, and God wants to see it fulfilled. He wants to see it lived out. I think about all these young kids that are going to be baptized uh, this morning, and it is going to be an awesome thing because with each and every one of them, God has a plan for them. Glory to God. So, you know, um, <clears throat> like I said before, it's not just a tradition. It is a miracle moment. Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says that when uh, Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove alighting upon him. You say, is that going to happen today? Well, I don't know. It could, you know. Uh, but it says that it came upon or alighted upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to notice that when Jesus was baptized, the realm of the invisible became perceptible. It became functional. Something happened within that moment. Why do I say that to you here today? Because whether you realize it or not, God is here. And Jesus is pleased with each and every one of these individuals that are coming to be baptized. Glory to God. So, you know, as we've often said, baptism doesn't save you, but people who have made a commitment to Christ do get baptized. And I'm excited about this group, aren't you? You know, in 1 Peter, uh, to close, in 1 Peter chapter 3, um, the Bible talks about this in the Amplified Bible. Great definition for what's taking place. Baptism, which is a figure of our deliverance. It's a figure. It still has to be lived out. How many of you know we all have to live our lives before him honorably? But it's a figure of our deliverance. It, say, it doesn't save us. Well, it does save us from inward questionings and fears. 
not by the outward removing of bodily filth as in bathing, but providing you with the answer of a good and a clear conscience, uh, inward cleanliness and peace before God. And here's the important part of this, because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? All right, good. Praise God. So, we're going to baptize a bunch of folks. Well, we...